reading tonight is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Now therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is only one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended in the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Well, I've been beginning by asking you to imagine what it might look like for us to be an urban monastery, and we'll do that two more weeks after this. And we've defined an urban monastery as uh, seeking the peace of the city by offering a school for the Lord's service and extending hospitality to guests. And I've been trying to give you different examples of what that might look like, not to say, oh, let's be this, but rather to kind of just awaken curiosity and inspire some, some vision Tonight, I, I want to uh, take you to a picture of uh, Labrie in Massachusetts near Boston. And I mentioned last week that Labrie was uh, started in the 70s by Edith and Francis Schaefer. And uh, it was a time of great tumult, many questions. And they created this, Labrie means shelter. And they created a space where you could come as long as you wanted and ask hard questions and be with God and others in community. And a big part of the Labrie House is always a library where you can go in and just explore different aspects of your faith. And I think we have another picture there, too, that I really like. Um, that would be just a typical evening at the house as people gather together and talk about the important things in life. And um, so, obviously, we can't all do that exactly, but, but I think it's a beautiful picture of reaching out to uh, a culture that's desperate to know, to know God. Well, we've been exploring this idea of, okay, if an urban monastery has this component of forming people in Christ, what does that look like? And so we've gone to Ephesians 4 for some answers, a passage about uh, spiritual transformation and this idea that there are gifted people that are given to the body of Christ to help the body of Christ become uh, mature in Christ. And tonight we're going to think about uh, the fourth word in that list in Ephesians 4, the pastor. Christ gives to his body apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors. 
Now, the Greek word literally means shepherd. And so if your Bible says shepherd, it's the same word. It, uh, it, uh, the root of it is to protect. And this metaphor of Jesus being the good shepherd uh, goes all through the Bible. Of course, it starts in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus will, will refer to himself as the good shepherd in John 10. Hebrews 13, 20, our Lord Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. And, and there are many other references to it. And, and it, it tells us something about who we are and what we need. Now, I was talking with Matt about this earlier. Why is it, and I think we have a picture of uh, kind of the star of our metaphor, why of all of the animals that the uh, first century person would have known about, does Jesus pick that one to describe us? I mean, he could have picked cattle. They knew about cattle. They had snakes. They had deer. They had birds. But he picks this little sheep. And I'm not a sheepologist, but Danny Bullington is. He worked for 4-H for many years. And at the, at the fair, he uh, was at the sheep show, shearing. And so if you can say shearing sheep at the sheep show five times quickly, we will have introduced you to speaking in tongues. No, if you, how are you? So I said, Danny, what, what is, it up, is it with this metaphor of this guy? Why, why this guy? And Danny said two things. He said, sheep need a flock. They are animals that don't do well in isolation. They need a flock. And um, just looking at them, you could see that, I think. Um, and sheep need a shepherd. Birds don't need shepherds. Sheep need shepherds. And so that tells us something about the conditions under which we flourish as Christians and human beings. We flourish in community, not in isolation. And we flourish when we have others to care for us. So Jesus is the good shepherd, and he especially equips, gifts, some people in the body of Christ to care for others in the flock. 1 Peter 5 puts it like this, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God among you, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So we really are under shepherds. He's the shepherd of the flock. We serve under his care. Now, what does a good shepherd look like? Well, uh, I want to just take us for a moment over to John 10, where Jesus is describing himself as a good shepherd. And I want us to think for a moment about what a good shepherd looks like. And I'd like you to be paying attention to kind of what happens in you as we go through this tonight. I had someone earlier, we were talking about this, and I gave her the definition we developed tonight. And she said, oh, that's why I am the way I am. Uh, my hope is that a handful of you will kind of click with this and realize this is your role in the body of Christ. So Jesus starts off in John 10, a familiar passage. He says, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You cannot really do spiritual care for hundreds of people, right? You just can't do it. 
a good shepherd knows her flock somewhat intimately. You can't, you can't do this for hundreds of people. So uh, we begin, a good shepherd is someone that has a circle of people, whether formal or informal, that they care for. It's just part of their wiring, their DNA. They're just tuned in to their needs. They know their names. In other words, they know what... They know the personality, what they're going through, what's going on in their lives. Uh, Acts 20, verse 28. Pay close attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which which he obtained with his own blood. That's what a shepherd does. They they oversee, they look over, and they they care. And I think we have a number of of wonderful shepherds in our body. a young man named uh, Tim Stanton uh, was very active in our church in the early days. Uh, life has taken him a lot of different places, and he hasn't been here very much. But he's been a part of Bruce and Lynn's small group, and Bruce and Lynn uh, have kept in touch with him for over a dozen years now, whether he was here or not. And uh, they know his name. They know what he's going through. And, and uh, Tim's dying and one of the first people Tim called was, was Lynn. And Lynn is just quietly, along with other members of their group, just cared for them, walked with them. Tim's up in ICU at UT. Uh, been there three weeks. And uh, they know his name. They know his name. I think another thing that, that a good shepherd does that knows the needs, knows their flock intimately, they're also thinking about how to nourish them. Uh, what, oh, the people that God has entrusted to my care, uh, what, do they need to be more in the Word? Do they need more encouragement? Do they need uh, more prayer? Uh, do they need more time? Do they just need somebody to take their kids for a night? That's the kind of thing that a shepherd constantly thinks of. What, what does this person God's entrusted to my care need right now? Well, then Jesus goes on. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. They'll flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So, a good shepherd is someone that the sheep trust. They, they know the sheep's voice, and they can, they can tell this is not a thief or a robber or somebody that's going to hurt me. This is somebody that I can trust. So a good shepherd is, is trustworthy. They're, they're a safe person, someone who over time has earned my trust. They're constant, they're stable, they're faithful, they're solid in the faith and and in the word. You just just trust them, they're there. And as I was thinking about this, it, it just strikes me that at this moment in our culture, at this time in our our society, uh, as we just seem to undergo increasing isolation, having someone, just someone, who knows your name and is safe is a remarkable gift. Uh, I was in Starbucks the other morning and 
been going to the same one for years, and Brad's the manager there. And every time I walk in, he says my name. And it's why I go back. I pay way too much for a cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's the, one of the few places anymore in life where somebody knows my name and even what I like to drink, that it's decaf. I just find that so wonderful. Who knows your name? Who is safe enough for you to describe what's really going on in your life tonight? Do you have anybody? Do you have anybody? You know, it's, it's so interesting. We connect in so many ways now. It just makes my head spin. I feel like I'm constantly connected even when I don't want to be connected. I'm just 100% connected all the time. And yet we seem more disconnected than ever. It's such a paradox. When I think of good, I think of Kathy and Adrian Gonzalez. They started a small group like right when we began the church 14 years ago, and they every week for 14 years they just open their home. They know the names of the people that come in, study the Bible a little bit, pray, eat, cry. But it's become a safe place for people for over a dozen years. I hope you have that. I want you to have that. Well, in the last part, I won't read all of it, but Jesus says that a good shepherd lays down his life for his flock. Well, a hired hand quits when it gets hard. And I think now we're getting a little messier, a little little deeper. If you have this gift, if this is the role you take in the body whether it's formal or informal, there, there is a cost to it. If you really start caring for other people's souls, there's a, there's a laying down your life. There, there is a sacrifice that's involved. Um, I, I did a little project this summer. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I met with every small group leader in our church. I hadn't done that for a long time, except for Megan, and we're going to get together soon. And uh, found out who was in their group, what night they met, what was working, what didn't work, wrote it all down, and uh, finally put together a little roster. We have 21 groups, 140 people in groups, not including Monday night Bible study, Sunday school class, and the new pilgrimage class. So that's my advertisement. But what, what struck me, I just was so touched by how much these men and women care for you. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, how much they pray for you, how much they worry about you. Somebody told me tonight, I, I lose sleep over the people that I care for. I love them that much. And that's, I think, part of, part of what this is. Uh, I know Turner was talking to me this summer. His group breaks every summer, and then uh, he starts again in the fall. He spends hours trying to figure out what books they're going to read and which person might connect best with this person. And um, Pilgrimage is ending. That's our new members class. And Tyler and Aaron, Tyler was leading 
Music Tonight, Aaron's been on our board. Um, uh, they are going to step in and take the pilgrimage class for five weeks uh, to, to kind of do a pilot small group. Hopefully uh, leadership will emerge and will carry on. And they prayed a lot about it because they're newly married and they knew what they were getting into. Because it's a, there's a sacrifice. You lay down, you lay down your life. Before I leave this, if you'd like to be in a small group, um, I am your small group pastor, okay? We, <laughs> there's Matt and I. There ain't nobody else. <laughs> and so email me, and let's get together. I would love to help you find a group. And if, if something's stirring in you and you're thinking, you know, I, might, I think I might have this gift. I might like to lead a group like that. Talk to me, and we'll, 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 we'll get together. You know, there's also a protecting role of a shepherd. Jesus talks about the thief coming to destroy. You know, I had a, a friend pull me aside, and, you know, I have a number of people who shepherd me. Many of you have shepherded me over the years. And he just asked me about my schedule and whether I was keeping Sabbath, which I wasn't um, very well. And he was just trying to protect me because he knows what a knucklehead I am when I get tired. So that's what a shepherd does, too. Well, what, um, what does this look like? I, I've suggested it can look like a small group leader. It doesn't have to be formal like that. It could look a lot of different ways. Another way that the pastoral gift, I think, functions in the body is through spiritual direction. And uh, here's uh, what Henry Nouwen says about spiritual direction. A spiritual director is not a counselor, a therapist, or an analyst, but a mature fellow Christian to whom we choose to be accountable for our spiritual life and from whom we can expect prayerful guidance in our constant struggle to discern God's active presence in our lives. We need a guide, a director, who helps us to distinguish between the voice of God and all other voices coming from our own confusion or from dark powers far beyond our control. I've been praying that God would raise up more spiritual directors. If you've been around here for a while, we had two wonderful ones, uh, Mary Tarwater and Suzanne Hassel, and they've passed away. And I think God is bringing some others of you. Uh, there's some wonderful training programs now around the country if you're interested in becoming a spiritual director. I think it's a powerful way to, uh, to care for souls. I've also noticed that there's a special um, gifting that some people have uh, for caring for the sick and the dying. Um, and Jeremy has it, Jeremy Hayes. Um, last night I was uh, officiating at a wedding for a, uh, an old family friend, and, and uh, I had not been able to get by to see Tim Stanton in a while, and uh, uh, knew he was pretty sick. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, uh, it had been a long weekend. Uh, I was tired. I knew Tim was dying. I didn't want to go alone. So I, I got done with the wedding, and I texted Jeremy, and I said, hey, could you go do this with me? Jeremy's finishing up seminary, and he's been accepted into the residency program at UT in their chaplaincy program. And so he's going to start there in uh, January? Yeah. Now, you know, I've been doing this uh, 35 years since I first started visiting people in hospitals. I know how to do it. I've taken classes. It's not natural for me. It, it's hard. The smells of dying haunt me. I do not like the smell of death. Smelled it twice this week. 
That's part of being a pastor, too. I've done you know, two weddings, a funeral, visited somebody on his deathbed. Well, pick Jeremy up. First of all, he can find his way around the hospital. I always wind up, you know, in the basement, you know. <laughs> and you know, we go into ICU, and, and, and it's just rough. Tim's suffering terribly after 10 surgeries. Can't talk, trach. And I'm thinking, well, this is awkward. I mean, how, how am I supposed to care for him when he can't talk to me? And he's obviously suffering. And Jeremy just grabs his hand and starts to pat his hand. And we just stood there about five minutes, and Jeremy prayed for him. And he went to sleep. I think that's a special grace that God gives some people. It's okay if you don't have it. But when I'm sick, send the people that have it. <laughs> don't send the people like me. So. <laughs> we go to pastor's retreats sometimes and tell stories. And my favorite story was we talk about what happens in the hospital and this guy went in and <laughs> he noticed that the, the, as soon as he went into the room, the patient started going, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> and he's, he's praying and he's casting out, you know, be healed, be healed, rawr, rawr, rawr. and he realizes he's standing on his catheter the whole time. <laughs> so so you, 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 some of us have more gifts than others in, in these capacities. <laughs> so... Oh, now there's an image to, 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 to leave here from. Okay, healing. 1 Corinthians 12, people who possess gifts of healing. I think there are some that just have a real divine capacity for praying for healing. So, uh, the definition, that, the working definition that we'll use tonight for our friend there, a pastor or a shepherd cares for the spiritual needs of a handful of people by knowing them well, creating safe places for them to grow, and laying down her life for them emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. So that's one way to think about this shepherding role in the Bible. Um, you may have a pastoral gifting if, one, you enjoy thinking about how people grow spiritually, two, you notice when other people disappear from your community. That's, that's something shepherds pick up on. And I, I, this week I learned a new, new word from my millennial friends, to ghost. Uh, I really, I never could figure out what they meant. And, and ghost means you just disappear. And people do that to the church. They just ghost the church. And, a, and a, did I say that right, millennials? Am I close? Oh, okay, okay. It's a gerund, I don't know. But um, a, a shepherd cares about that. They, they notice, they call people. You find yourselves naturally praying for the needs of others. It's just natural for you. You often check in on others to see how they're doing. It's just natural for you. People find you a safe person to go to for spiritual counsel. You know, I, this is the gift that I identify with most. And one of the great joys and great burdens is I find people just telling me all about their life all the time in all sorts of places. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, it's Friday night, Sandy and I went swing dancing. We're still trying to learn how to do that. We're at this big swing dance, and the music is blaring. And, and before we knew it, this lovely friend was 
just pouring out her heart about very, very intimate stuff in her life and then profusely apologizing as the band blared. And then she said, do you want to dance? And so, sure. You know, so, but that's kind of what happens when you have this gift. People can't help it. They, they just want to open up to you. Pastors get into trouble when they, one, become codependent with those they care for, two, find their identity in helping others, Three, like a feeling of power they get when someone starts to trust them as a spiritual guide. Four, ignore their, their own needs or their family's needs because they're so consumed with meeting the needs of others. And five, become hurt or insecure when the people they care for either go away or never say thank you. Would you all come up and we've got a couple of shepherds here tonight. Taryn's going to introduce us to. Okay. Well, uh, so like we've been trying to do for the last few weeks, we brought up a couple of people that are either moving in this or been equipped by this and uh, to kind of try and get a little bit of practical example. Um, and, uh, and so and just a, a, couple of, a couple of things I'd kind of throw in there with that too. You know, the shepherding function, it's primarily concerned about how the body relates to itself, uh, people to God, people to, to themselves, and people to people, um, tending to lead relationally and build consensus and uh, often have a big percent of their mind share uh, uh, bent towards groups or social circuit circles, like you know, so flocks. Um, and so, as we've kind of been using this analogy going along, along as kind of uh, as this being a sequ- these five uh, gifts being sequential roles that come along to help you in your ministry. Um, with the apostle coming in, convening, for, they first convene, create culture, lay some foundations on what what the kingdom looks like here and now. The prophet helping us to stay aligned with God's ways, His will, His timing, to learn, to see, and hear. Um, so the, the apostle kind of lays the roadmap for the for the road trip. The uh, the prophet kind of acts as the GPS. The evangelist comes along and helps us advance and kind of goes, "Hey, we got to take the hill. We've got to we've got to move forward." Um, and how do we do that? And they're kind of the gas pedal. Well, the pastors, the shepherds, if you will, you know, kind of keep everything running. Uh, they're the glue. They they keep keep people healthy on the journey. So they're kind of like the mechanics. So we use that word kartismos early on, which is what equipping uh, that word for equipping in Greek. Which uh, you know is either the outfitting of the ship for a long journey, so that's like the mechanic on the on the car, right? Or uh, helping to to prepare an army for battle, so they could be like the field medics, kind of going like, as we're going, we're taking hits. Um, or uh, or or to uh, uh, bind together a, a city torn fact, apart by factions and schisms, right? So so that building consensus census is kind of where the shepherd comes and says, hey, we've got things that pull us apart. We need to to focus on on how Jesus pulls us together. So David and Lindsay here. Um, David uh, is an interesting case because, uh, yeah, um, but uh, but I say that. I get a witness. <laughs> right. I try, yeah, too many. Yes, that wasn't quite where I was going with it, but um, but uh, but interesting in the sense that his current assignment has been an occupation of a teacher at a high school, um, but he's a he's a shepherd by calling, um, and uh, and Lindsay uh, is is thinking this might be her as well. Um, she's, she's definitely got these kinds of leanings, um, but she's been around David a lot, and, and so we wanted to kind of hear from her about, hey, what have you, have you kind of opened up in your giftings and uh, ministry? So, David, uh, as somebody who helps the body be equipped to, to be healthy, whole, safe, and integrated, can you uh, uh, give a couple of examples of, of what this is, has looked like? Thank you, Taryn. Um, just to let you know, I guess it's one of those things that as we talk about it and you say, oh, this is what you think about a lot. That would be me. Like what I think about a lot is, is uh, kind of the people that are in my circle 
and what's going on in their life and how what's going on with them and God and how they're moving towards God and where the little things that may be bumps that are going on. So all of a sudden I'm listening to a song or something like that and there'll be people whose names will flash in my head. And so I'm like, okay, so I send them the song. Or I get up in the morning and I get a scripture, one of those text of scripture things, you know, I'm talking about, you know, so I can feel good about myself. And, um, and so I'm reading the scripture, but while I'm reading that, for me, I'm also thinking about how that applies to other people. So I'm, I'm sending that to other people. So I'll, I'll text that out to them or I see them and I'm like, oh, hey, I was thinking about you or whatever. Or they come to my mind during the day and it's like, um, something about praying. So I'm like, oh, hey, I need to pray for this person. So I'm praying for them. But I send out a message to them saying, hey, I'm praying about you. Or somebody says something about their mom being sick or whatever. And I'm like, oh, hey, I was praying for your mom. But I want to let them know that. It's not just that I'm praying for their mom. But I want to let them know because I want to have some interaction with them about how that's going. And to pull them into that place where they're closer. Um, my whole, everything about me is pointing them towards Christ pulling them in towards Christ, moving them closer to him, uh, all, whatever that looks like, uh, whatever I can do for that. Um, and I'll definitely say as long as I've known David, like whether it was in his camp experience or at the high school or here, he's always collecting groups of people around him and caring for them. So you can definitely see that uh, in, in the people that you know like this or if this is you. Uh, so, Lindsay, um, so part of... Uh, that was another question for David if we had time, and we don't. So, uh, Lindsay, uh, no, no, that wasn't you. Uh, as someone who's uh, uh, spent a lot of time around shepherds like David and uh, may have, the, have a similar calling, um, how has that role in your life uh, opened up your own gifts and uh, health in the body? How is the role of David being in my yeah, life and other like shepherds? Hi, I'm Lindsay. Nice to meet you if I don't know you. Um, it's been really sweet to see, um, to experience the care from shepherds, from David. We also have another spiritual director, Debbie, Debbie Wright, um, among us. And getting to experience the wisdom and the care, um, it gives value to what I thought was just natural for everyone. Um, I always thought I should be doing something else. And David was really sweet to just point and say, you know what, this is you, you're a pastor, there's value to what you're doing, to the people you're pouring into. And watching him do it, I can see, oh my gosh, there is. Because it brings a connectedness to the people that he's grouping together, that he's caring for, um, that's really evident. And I would love to get to do that as well. And so I'm like, ah, that's me. Okay, well, thanks for, for coming up and sharing a little bit. And uh, if you guys are, have heard, as Doug was speaking, if there was, or if, as either of them were speaking, if there was something in that, they're going, oh, that's, that's kind of what I'm like. Um, or if you're like, you know what, I actually need to interface with some of that to know how to better be connected in the body with the thing that the Lord has me on mission for. Um, if either of those are the case, you know, we'll be over here after service, so come, come, come talk or maybe get some prayer. Mm-hmm.